You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, brought to you by Nualtra. My name is Neve Lilliman and I'm a second year student dietitian. In today's episode, we will be shining a light on international student dietitians in the UK. Many students experience the usual pressures and stresses of a degree, but international students also have a whole host of other challenges to contend with. I'm delighted to be joined today by Courtney Rocket and Alphadol Al-Mubarak, who are international student dietitians at Leeds Beckett University. Today, we will be talking about their decision to study in the UK, their experiences, and listening to their advice to fellow international and UK students. Hello, Courtney and Alphadol. Hi. Hello. It's great to have you both on the podcast. So before we get going, um, let's introduce you to our listeners. So Courtney, how about we start with you? Um, Yeah, okay. So um, my name is Courtney Rocket. Um, I'm 25 years old. Um, I'm from a town called Clomel in Tipperary in the Republic of Ireland. Um, I've recently moved to Leeds um, to complete the Masters in Dietetics in um, Leeds Beckett University. Um, before this course, I completed a four-year undergrad in nutrition and health science in Cork Institute of Technology in Cork in Ireland. Um, it's now called Munster Technological University. Um, and I finished that in 2020 and I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for two years. Um, I worked as a quality control microbiology analyst. Um, but although I did find that interesting, I always knew that I wanted to come back to do dietetics after taking some time to save up a little bit and um, kind of just reevaluate what I wanted to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's me. Lovely. It sounds like you've had quite an interesting journey up till now. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you on the podcast and like we'd love to delve into more of that. So before we do, Alphadol, let's hear from you. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I am Al-Fadl Al-Mubarak and I've moved to to the UK initially in 2018. So I've started in Coventry where I did my uh, foundation course and undergrad. So it was in, in nutrition and health. So it was a focus of nutrition, public health, uh, this sort of uh, mix. And um, during my last year, I was like interested in the like the clinical aspect and research in nutrition. So after some discussions with my supervisor and uh, researching, I thought that dietetics would be great to gain like the clinical uh, knowledge that would be helpful for both practice and and uh, future research. So I've moved to Leeds in, in September 2022 and started the dietetics course, the master's in dietetics. Um, As well, I have done um, a personal training course to get more of like sports nutrition, exercise science on the side. And uh, yeah, I have um, an associate nutritionist registration as well following my undergrad course, but I haven't get any work experience. So I just graduated and started the master's. Lovely. So again, it sounds like you've had a really kind of interesting journey up till now. Um, I like that you've kind of all done different things before, you know, it wasn't just straight from school. Um, always like to see different different paths here on the podcast. Um, so yeah, great to have you on. Um, so I suppose, Alphadol, if we start with you, you spoke a little bit about why, you know, you chose to do dietetics. Should we go into a little bit more detail? You know, what, what specifically about dietetics appealed to you? Yeah, so... 
generally speaking, after having a nutrition degree, you'd have um, sort of three pathways to follow, uh, which is either going into continuing in public health and nutrition, which is more on prevention um, and awareness, or sports and nutrition, or like the dietetics. And I perceive dietetics as it's like the prime because you have um, this sort of um, clinically governed uh, registration, which is the registered dietitian, and the sort of um, overarching awareness that you would have of um, clinical knowledge, um, treatment opportunities. So I believe that after having this this degree, you would have like the uh, appropriate knowledge and um, training and the clinical aspects of nutrition, which you can have, which you can carry in, carry them uh, further with you if you do like research and um, sort of like the dietetic treatments and clinical situations, be it like oncology or cardiovascular diseases. Uh, you don't have the same sort of insight if you just did the nutrition without dietetics. So it's like the sweet spot if you would. Um, work in practice or work in research, it would have a huge add-on on you if you want to continue in the nutrition field, I believe. So that was the main driver behind the shift. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think, you know, having that RD status, if you like, it, it opens so many doors for you. And even if you, you know, you, you're a dietitian, you can still work in public health, you can still yeah. work or research it just it's kind of just yeah as you say it gives you a bird's eye view of everything and qualifies that, to be exactly, able to work. Yeah. yeah definitely no i think that's definitely a, you know a really good motivator for doing it isn't it um courtney <laughs> yeah. how about yourself so you know why did you choose to do that dietetics um so i'm like really passionate about educating people about um the importance of fueling your body and how that can help you to have um a great life really and like um yeah just mainly because I really want to help people improve their relationships with food and understand how important it is to do that and how much it can impact your mind and stuff like that so I really like the holistic side of dietetics um that it's like all about your mind body soul everything is connected you know what I mean um so yeah just really want to help as many people as possible <laughs> did you find kind of in your your old job in sort of pharmaceuticals that that you know that ability to help people was kind of lacking was that some did it sort of come about from that yeah so like I was working in a lab and all day you're kind of just working by yourself kind of thing and I really love like meeting people and getting to know a bit more about their story getting to know how I could help them and things like that and I just felt like um, in the pharmaceutical industry, yes, you're helping the patient, but it's indirectly. You never actually get to see the patient and see how you're impacting them. So I think like working as a dietitian, it would be such a rewarding career to realise the impact that you're having when you're helping them face to face, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an interesting perspective, actually. You know, you're 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 facing, not your patient facing. It's not behind the scenes. And although behind the scenes do great work and um, yeah. it's being you know being able to help people directly but you know as Alfred Alfredo said if you ever wanted to go back to lab work as a dietitian you you can so that's kind of the beauty of yeah yeah and like my manager said to me when I was leaving um my microbiology job like don't close off the door completely because now you're just opening up yourself to a lot more opportunities rather than limiting yourself so it's not as if it would ever be the end of the road kind of thing like this and just opening up a lot more opportunities career-wise yeah, yeah, that's great advice, actually. Um, 
So, Courtney, in terms of when you chose to do dietetics, why did you decide to move away from Ireland and come and study in the UK? Um, so to be completely honest, um, I applied for Ireland um, the last two years when I was taken two years out and I applied and I didn't even get like an interview. There's like really limited places in, on the courses in Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. So you're like pay each time you apply as well and to not you don't get like any individual feedback, no kind of recognition of like, you know, this is what maybe you can improve on. Because um, I had the undergrad and stuff that made me um, made me be able to apply for it. But, and I had the grades and stuff. And then my friend um, from my undergrad was actually studying this course in England. And she was saying like, it's amazing. There's such great opportunities. And like, like I was really still dead set on doing dietetics. So I thought I'm just going to apply for England. And hopefully that um, I'll be given the opportunity to be on the course there. And then I applied for Leeds and I got in. So um, I was delighted with that. And I haven't looked back since because I'm having such a great experience studying in England yeah oh that's really good and it's 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 really nice to hear the drive that you had for it you know it was yeah. you didn't just get sort of knocked back and think okay oh I won't bother then you know you've moved country to go and pursue yeah. your dream. that's really yeah. inspirational actually <laughs> thanks um yeah so I'm um, Alfredal so you moved from Bahrain didn't you yeah how how come you chose to, to move to the UK yeah, so it was like the time last month in high school before graduating from school and I was deciding like um, which university should I go or what should I do? And at that time, I was interested in nutrition. So at that time in Bahrain, there wasn't a an undergrad in nutrition initially. And coupled with that, like I was um, looking forward to go and travel to study abroad to get um, this experience of um, living in a different country for some years, gaining new friends, um, being acquainted with new culture, new diverse place, new background. So um, I was interested, like my only option was like, I would go to the to the UK uh, because of the uh, reputation of the universities and the quality of education. So it's like a mix of both getting the uh, high standards of education, um, research and knowledge and uh, personal development throughout the uh, experience of studying and living abroad. Yeah, I think you're definitely right from what, you know, from what you've said there and from just other people when they say they've, even if they've done, they're a UK student and they've done kind of that sandwich year and they've gone abroad, mm-hmm. that you learn so much when you, you move abroad and all about different cultures and, and everything. It's just a really mind, like mind opening. Yeah, thing. I guess. Yeah, you even understand yourself more because you'd have like more time to 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 be your, with yourself. So it's like, and I guess Courtney can uh, uh, share something on her experience. Like it's not just the knowledge that you gain; it's more of like self development journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like it's just going to a different place isn't it and you're getting to know new people here completely out of your comfort zone and like you kind of have no choice only to thrive really like you just have to try your hardest to make friends and like make the best of your experience because if you don't put yourself out there then you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to gain the experience that you need to gain to progress further you know I suppose that makes sense if you're, you know, moving away to a different country. It's it's really throwing you in, yourself in the deep end, isn't it? You know, you you have to to get on and to succeed and be happy almost when you move. You you have to, you know, as you say, you know, make friends and get involved in things. Yeah, yeah, that, that you know, I think if I'd had my time again, I would have definitely <laughs> looked at like doing something abroad or, or something because I know me now so I'm booking my first holiday without going on my parents and the thought of that with without going with my parents and the thought of that I'm not gonna lie it's absolutely frightening um so you know the idea of moving away um completely different so I you know I really sort of empathize with anyone who's doing it and uh, you know I applaud them really because it's, it's a step. yeah so um so on that then Alfred so as I said, so it's a huge step. Um, were there any challenges that you faced when you 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 started university in the UK? Yeah, so the main difference is um, if you go up more further than the country that you are in at the moment, um, is that the cultural difference and things that you are used with. So back home, it's like, uh, you are more closer with family, having gatherings and meeting them regularly. And suddenly you you move and all that goes away with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it can be challenging at the beginning, but then you start to, to meet new friends. You develop friendships that are strong enough to, to enjoy. And um, it's like you won't forget your family, of course, but it's like getting settled and keeping going on. And the more time you stay, the more uh, easier it becomes. I guess you get used to 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 the new situation. So the main challenges is like what sort of culture or background that you are coming from and how to adapt to. And I guess there are different like societies or um, cultural things that go on, uh, be it with like the university or um, the city that you are living in that can help to to ease the 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 situation. And yeah, these are the main challenges that are regarding like sort of like cultural construct, but then it would come, you need to develop new things. You'd start like uh, washing, doing laundry, cleaning the place, and doing this sort of stuff that you haven't um, done previously. And like sort of time management, prioritizing your stuff, doing uh, groceries. So it's not just university. You are doing other yeah. things, and you need to to manage both because you don't want to undermine your studies. So, so these are like the sort of challenges and. Knowing the place, knowing what you are doing, what shop to buy from, and yeah, yeah, you're trying to mix like you're trying to become an adult, aren't you? You're trying to do yeah. adulting, but also fit in and everything. Um, you spoke a little bit about sort of cultural differences. Were there any that you sort of wanted to share that you sort of noticed that were quite different here? 
Yeah, so for example, as I've mentioned, uh, back home, I would meet like, most of my uncles, cousins, once or twice a week. Uh, so I would, on Fridays typically, which is like back home, the weekend is different. It's like Friday and Saturday. And okay. over here, it's like Saturday and Sunday. So Friday, on Friday, it's like um, sort of religious holiday. We would have like Friday prayers and, and the noon. But then like every week, I would go to my grandfather's house where we would have um, a large lunch with, with all my uncles. Like Friday night, which is Thursday at night, uh, I would like see some of my um, cousins, uncles, aunts, or maybe friends as well, meeting both. So this is one thing. And the other thing is that with this lifestyle, uh, like shops and everything, uh, restaurants would stay up late, like until 12, 1. Uh, when we compare it to, to the UK, it's like um, a different lifestyle that shops would be um, shut down at 7, 6. It depends as well on the city. For example, I know that Coventry life shuts down um, pretty soon than other larger cities. So you'd have friends from the same background, but then everything is closing. So it's like you are not used to the to the sort of lifestyle. But then um, time is important as well. So now I am more used into like setting myself with, with how things work over here. You get adapted easily, I guess. Yeah. I guess that ties in with the time management, doesn't it? You know, if you normally sort of back home would do your, your food shopping at 10 o'clock at night, for example, and you now, well, I don't know, maybe the odd one, if you go to like, I don't know, same yeah, I, guess, I guess it's really not with, with uh, <laughs> doing the groceries at night. It's more of like um, going out with friends, buying yeah. dinners and stuff that yeah. you do um, late. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that as well, I suppose. Yeah, kitchens normally shut sort of nine, half nine, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so quite a lot of sort of um, schedule changes then, it sounds like. So, Courtney, so what has your experience been like? So were, were there any challenges that you faced moving over from Ireland? Um, yeah, so when I first moved over, I was quite anxious um, because I never, like, although I did live in Cork for undergrad, I never lived like completely away where like you have no family like as Dolly saying like it's just um it's quite daunting at the start and I was quite anxious I didn't know the area like my housemates will say like when I first moved there I was like oh is anyone going to Aldi kind of thing like you know so I could walk with them and stuff like that and just kind of just being a bit overwhelmed I guess at the start just because there is such a big change like I left like a secure job to go back to study and it was like a massive change because you're kind of used to not being a student anymore and then you're changing back to being a student and it's a lot of adjusting um but and then also going back to academic writing as well I found that quite hard because you know when you're kind of out of the loop you're out of the loop of like researching and kind of bringing everything together and you'd almost forget how to bring it all together kind of thing but some things that I found helped me when I moved over was that um, Leeds Beckett actually were so good. They made like a Facebook page for all of our course group and we were able, yeah, we were able to like connect with each other through that. And um, 
that's actually how I found my housemates as well. So, and then that made it really easy to make friends as well because I'm living with like five girls from the course. Um, so you're already kind of starting to settle in then that way. And like, we literally go everywhere together. So it's made it a lot easier, you know? Yeah. Um, and then and other things I found helpful were um, Leeds Spec could also have like lots of library resources where you can go to workshops for academic writing, critical analysis, like things like that. Um, are really helpful because I did find there was like a little bit of a difference between how we write academically in Ireland and England, but um, just small things like so just referencing and things like that. It's just nice to refresh your memory, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and other things that I found helped me overcome the challenges would be um, I'm really into like meditation and things like that. So I found um adding in meditation to my everyday routine kind of calmed me a little bit helped me to deal with um anxiety when it came up and things like that so I definitely recommend like um speaking to your friends and like um just meditation journaling mindfulness all those kind of little things to help you adapt to your new situation I guess yeah no there are some great tips um and I think a lot of people particularly things like meditation people know are really good but often don't know how to sort of get going would you say things that just it's you've just got to kind of do it or any any resources that you you know of um so I I think that like people always say like oh I can't meditate and stuff like that but you can meditate it's like oh I can't switch my mind off but that's kind of the whole point of it like once you catch your thoughts drifting you kind of just have to like identify that and bring it back kind of thing um I do really like I um have I bought a course it's called the brave way and it's like a 21 day course and you can revisit as many times as you want um and then I got the Calm app and stuff like that, but um, I also just do the free the free ones on YouTube. You just type in 10-minute meditation and you're set to go then kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, lots of lots of sort of resources then that are available. Yeah. Um, I've tried to be dabbling in it and I'm one of these people. I'm trying to like kind of close my mind off and try and focus. Yeah. I've got so much going on, but um, yeah. yeah, definitely might make use of those. Um it's very difficult though <laughs> yeah definitely yeah it's a challenge something you have to develop over time isn't it yeah so I mean in terms of I suppose this is kind of a, a question for both of you really um following on from what you said Courtney about so your university did like a page to introduce people and um, if you know international students at other universities didn't have access to this um how are there any tips that you could suggest to them that might help them to feel a little bit more included or to try and start to build those relationships um do you want it? Um, so I think that it's just kind of really putting yourself out there. Like if, if you're in a lecture or anything like that, maybe just try to chat to the person beside you or um, maybe join some societies in the uni, I guess, because um, there is always something on like and on like I know that's specific to Leeds Beckett as well, but I'm sure um, other universities have things on as well. And then maybe things that are happening local, like join a gym, maybe go to an exercise class if that's what you're into, or maybe other things like kind of just look up what's on in your area and just kind of put yourself out there um, is the biggest the biggest bit of advice I'd give because once you put yourself out there, like you'd be amazed how many other people are trying to make friends as well. So you always kind of find fall into a little group then maybe. 
Yeah, a lot of those tie in with, you know, the things you're suggesting tie in with recommendations about looking after our mental health and emotional health, don't they? So yeah, it's doesn't it? Um, how about yourself, Alfredo? Is there any advice that you that you have? Yeah, I basically mirror what Courtney said and like um, going out, sort some uh, opportunities. And in addition to that, if like the local students, so most of the UK students are open and welcoming when you speak with them or talk with them or ask for help. So you might be shy in the beginning or not seeking the opportunities to speak with them. But then when you just open up and uh, start talking with them, um, it would be it won't be that challenging to to talk with them and like be friends and classmates and like work with each other in groups and um, this this things. It's like just um, look out for opportunities to to do that yeah and don't be like sort of pushing yourself into into such situations but it's like mostly it's chill um uk students are open welcoming and yeah yeah definitely that's good to hear um i suppose my my follow-on question from that really was um is there anything after that you think that uk students could do to be particularly welcoming is there anything you found that uk students do that have been really really supportive to you yeah i guess it it comes in two parts like um providing support or guidance um if they are like um uh, from from the local place like if they are if now we are in leads uh, if you are in leads and like you've provided us like some tips where to go where to to do shoppings like helping us to to get um used and um uh, understand the area we are in and the other thing is Basically, when we are coming in the UK, uh, we would have a sort of interest in the culture and maybe did some research. So it would be helpful to to share this knowledge. And if other students would be interested in like sort of different cultures, I guess that would be easier to help us like have a chat and get to know each other, have like a sort of common grounds to start with, being interested in like each other cultures and having this sort of diversity Mm. yeah I think I definitely agree with you there and and I think that should be the case anyway really because if we're working with patients no matter where you are you'll get different cultures you know you may be working with people with you know different cultural diets or practices or whatever it is um so we should have an understanding of that and anyway um so yeah I definitely like that and we should definitely sort of Focus and focusing on doing that more, I think, as a cohort of students. What are your thoughts on this, Courtney? Um, yeah, I agree with everything Alfred was saying as well. And I also think that um it's just important if you have like international students in your course, um, some people that already live in the UK they might already have their friendship group established um, and they might kind of like sometimes international students get a bit lost because they don't have that support network. So I think it's important to just if you do have international students, ask them, do they have any plans? Like what are they up to for the weekend? Maybe include them in your plans, invite them, because at the end of the day, all anyone wants is to be included and it will make their experience a much less lonely one. And it can kind of like 
change someone's whole experience of um living in the UK if they're invited places and enjoying it and you know just having friends really <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and I think you know I, I definitely I agree with you there that you feel quite lonely otherwise wouldn't you if you didn't yeah find inclusion things um you'd, I mean you'd think you'd hope that would be the case all the time but I suppose in reality people are so busy and focused on their own degree and things that actually we forget to be a little bit more socially aware sometimes that's it and I feel like a lot of the time everyone is kind of so wrapped up in their own lives that they're like rushing off to the next destination or if they have job after after uni they're not like hanging around for a chat or anything like that but even in the break of classes maybe just asking someone how they are how would they find and being away from home and things like that just little things that would make someone's day um easier I guess <laughs> yeah it all comes back to that you know get involved in anything that you know involves yes. teamwork or communities or you know anything definitely yeah so um if we stick with you for a second then Courtney so in terms of the difference between the UK and the Republic of Ireland um is there much difference in how dietitians work or kind of the healthcare system um so um there's not much difference in how we work it's all um, basically the same so you have like community dietitians um, private dietitians and then hospital dietitians and then our healthcare system in Ireland is called the HSE rather than the NHS and um, that's the major difference um, and we also don't have like a banding system as well in Ireland it's just kind of like when you graduate you're a basic grade dietitian and then you go to um, senior dietitian and then it's kind of basically the same like clinical specialist and then more managerial roles after that and then the main thing I would um say for like anyone that's going to be doing dietetics if you're Irish and going to study in the UK um once you finish say once I qualify in England I have to apply to get my degree recognized in Ireland um so you have to apply through Coru it's called and there's a fee of 410 euro for that um, and it takes about four months to get um, to get your degree recognised. Um, so it's just really important that people are aware of those little kind of things, those kind of differences, just to make sure that people don't think they can just go home and work straight away. You have to like um, work in the NHS and like gain your experience and things like that. You don't have to, but it would be helpful if you did while you're waiting for your transfer of your results and stuff like that, I guess. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, not, it's not, not just a case of doing the degree then you've got to do a lot more yeah international student yeah yeah that's it um yeah that's the kind of the main things I guess but the role is basically the same um it's just being aware of things like that I guess <laughs> yeah was there anything that you did I mean I don't know what your prior knowledge of NHS was or you know might have been the same as mine really which is you know just <laughs> standard UK student really but um is there anything that you did to learn a little bit more about the UK or how the NHS works or dietitians in the UK um so yeah I kind of was doing a bit of research before my interview and things like that I was looking like just basically on the NHS website there's loads of information about their core values different roles what it entails like and then the BDA website as well is really good there's lots of videos about like um dietitians like what what the role is and like how to apply things like that 
um and what you kind of need to have before you apply and then I loved I used to love before I applied like watching um videos of dietitian day in the life like kind of thing on YouTube and stuff like that so it kind of got me a bit familiar with things that I would be doing in the role um so I found that really helpful and kind of it prepares you as well because when I went on placement then I was like oh I've seen this in the YouTube video kind of thing yeah. I always find them so interesting. I'm a yeah. I love them. <laughs> yeah. It's good to see that kind of the working pattern, you know. It the really is. Dietitian and oh, we've got clinic in the morning and then admin in the afternoon. Yes. It, it is interesting to see. Yeah, um, you kind of know what to expect then, you know. You're not kind of going in blindsided, basically. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, a really good resource to, to tap into. Yeah. Um Alphadol, so in terms of sort of the difference between the UK and Bahrain, is there much difference in how dietitians work or sort of the health healthcare system over there? Yeah, so the healthcare system in generally is a bit different in how it operates than the UK, but mainly like the same thing, it's mainly referrals from like a GP into a specialist if needed. Um, dietitians work within the healthcare system so they can be in like local small hospitals that are um, closely similar to the GP surgeries in the UK so you'd have a sort of a community dietitian and you'd have ward dietitians as well so it's 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 have it's it's like the role of the dietitian is not really different uh in, in a different healthcare system so you'd have the like the the same tasks the same role that you would um carry generally um other than that you can have you can work in clinics there is like um you can open your own clinic or do freelancing um uh, things as well on the side if you'd like which is something that is growing in that part of the world and like in the Bahrain or the Middle East region like having your own clinic as well um, can can be like a sort of another income or it can be your main focus um, you might not work in, in healthcare and the other part is as Courtney mentioned is that if you are not from the UK or not based here don't think that you get the certificate and you just go and work so you need to contact the Ministry of Education in Bahrain, for example. So you'd need to accredit your degree, which would be you'd contact the embassy in the UK and then they would transfer your papers to, to Bahrain to get everything like stamped, checked from both the wow. Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Ministry of Education that it's like a real certificate that you've participated in this university. And after accrediting your um, certificate, you would need to do the healthcare registration exam, which is called NAHRA, which is basically similar to the HCPC in the UK. Yes. Which, yeah. which give us the registration, the board of registration. So NAHRA is like the regulating board that mm. after getting the degree accredited, there is sort of um, a general nutrition dietetics exam that you would do and you would get the license. Once you get that, you you can practice in, inside Bahrain. 
Mm. It just goes to show how sort of highly regulated and kind of specialist the role is, no matter where you go. Yeah. Um, you know, the job is, I say, very much the same. It's not, but you know, I mean, it is really. Um, yeah. You know how highly regulated it is. Yeah, yeah, it's really good though that that it is like that. That's kind of why I wanted to go into it because at least your patients can trust then that you're giving mm -hmm. them like actual um sound advice, like you know, um, and it's not just something you read on TikTok or something like that. It's actually okay. backed by science and evidence, which is like the most important thing, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That seems to be where a lot of people get their nutrition. <laughs> yeah, it's worrying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I believe like. Getting the base level of dietetics keeps you way ahead and like the amount of knowledge you'd get, even if you didn't uh, do lots of research or reading, yeah. like the the presentations and lectures and even the punch book has lots yeah. of resources mm -hmm. that gives you lots of uh, proper knowledge that can help you in different situations, different clinical conditions as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots. I mean, you you mentioned the Penge guide, um, but is there any other are there any other specific resources or things that you did really to understand more about like dietetics in the UK or the NHS? Like were there any resources or things you did to learn more? Yeah, for me prior, as Courtney mentioned, like YouTube is a huge resource of yeah. get loads of videos and um real life experiences. Other than that, because I was in the UK doing my undergrad, so I knew the like the BDA and um how it works, videos they uploaded, case studies, um fact sheets about like the role of dietitians. So the BDA, in addition to NHS websites, were helpful in understanding the profession, um, how the NHS works like the banding system, um, mm. your role in general, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there definitely sound like some good resources that I know I've tapped into a few of those, um, sort of YouTube and Day in the Life and things like that. Yeah. Lovely. That's so good. thank you for sharing those. So um, Alphadol, is there anything you wish you'd known before you came to study in the UK? Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure if there is um, something that I wish I've known. Because I guess these things, you'd learn them w with the experience. Yeah. But if I would tell someone that is considering traveling abroad, is, whether it be UK, the UK or any other country, is that embark on this journey it might be frightening in the beginning but it, it would be fruitful and the other main thing is that you'd have lots of spare time so spend it wisely uh, you can read study research and not focus on like always going out and uh, socializing so you can balance between that because these times that you'd have while studying um, won't be replaced when you start going back to the to the work life and maybe you'd start a family as well so you won't have all this spare time between classes and summer break or and these breaks so do do take the best outside from this experience 
out of this experience, yeah. Oh, some wise words. Lovely. Um, what about yourself, Courtney? Is there anything you wish you'd known before you came to study in the UK? Um, my one is a little bit more negative, to be honest. Okay. I think um, I wish that I knew that um, international students don't get any support from the NHS at all, um, which is quite sad. We don't get like the NHS bursary or anything like that, that um, students from England get, um, which it would be really helpful when we're on placement and stuff because it's such an expensive time because yeah. you you have to like, maybe some people have to pay for dual um, accommodation and stuff like that. Whereas if you're an English student, you'll get that reimbursed, your expenses and things like that. But if you're an international student, you won't get any of those expenses reimbursed or you won't get the bursary to help you pay out pay out for all of that um so that's just the only kind of negative thing really um and but other than that I'm loving <laughs> I'm loving um studying in the UK and it's really enjoyable it's just those little kind of financial things like you kind of really have to be organized to be able to pay for things like that and have unexpected expenses like that I think yeah yeah you're right it's such an expensive time even as a UK student so not having that support as an international student I can imagine is just so much more stressful um yeah. and add to all the other stresses you've got of trying to settle in and, and homesickness and things like that yeah yeah but also the thing I, I want I wish I knew as well was that give yourself a few months because you're going to be homesick when you first get there and once you start like getting into the routine of things like that like everything gets better and you start to really enjoy things so just give yourself that time to enjoy and don't be kind of like dwelling all the time when you first get there I guess kind of thinking is the grass greener on the other side like just make sure you enjoy every minute I guess yeah yeah similar to what Alfredo said wasn't it just make the most of it and Face up into a routine and and do what makes you happy, but do what needs to be done and over these studies yeah. yeah, and with time you get used and all the homesick and these feelings yeah. of loneliness would would win out or be like tiny. It's just time yeah. with time everything is sorted. But yeah, the point that Courtney mentioned is is a bit challenging for us as international students. Um, because it's like you are not settled in one city for the placement you might go elsewhere and these things so I guess many things can be done for example if priority could be could be considered for international students to be just located in in this area that might sort like a lot of financial things because it's not just um, the finance it's like worrying would I be here or not and then where would I book accommodations? And st- this might be a stressful part, which is the, yeah. And it's really hard because, like, obviously you've never lived in England before or you have and you only know the area that you did live in. And then you're trying to you're trying to find accommodation. You don't know the area. You're only seeing what's on Google. And then you actually talk to someone who knows someone that's from the area and they're like, no, that's a really bad area. But Google would have told you that it's a really good area. Yeah, so yeah. It's just really hard to know things like that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I I sympathise with you there, really, because if someone told me I was going to Manchester, I'd be like, okay, M six. I think it's M6. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or oh, I need to go on the M one here and do this, or I know yeah. that they, um, that city is on this train line or whatever. 
but yeah. that's from living here and having the understanding whereas both of you unless you know the UK really well um yeah. I don't think anyone studies a map of the train lines really um <laughs> as a general just general research preparing yourself to go to university um yeah big big pressure for you I hadn't really comprehended that before yeah it's quite challenging (laughs) yeah yeah I mean you you both seem to be like handling it quite well and quite sort of you know you're doing your meditation and you're joining your (laughs) and stuff so grounding ourselves (laughs) yeah 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 definitely um no I hadn't I hadn't thought about that before I think that's yeah it's quite quite a lot for you it's a lot yeah. it's worth it though that's the main thing yeah oh that's a nice thing to add then that it's it's worth it you know yeah definitely I talk to I mean I don't I don't have those sorts of worries um because I'm not an international student but you know sometimes I think oh gosh 12 weeks what if I have to move out um move away and I'm honestly I've never moved away from home before and you know my mum says to me look it's a means to an end in terms of it will come to an end it's 12 weeks it's not forever yeah um, so, you know, just keeping that at the back of your mind that this isn't forever. I'm not going to be permanently without a permanent address or whatever. Yes. I think it's just looking at the end goal in mind the whole time. You're just like, okay, if I get you this 12 weeks of placement, then I'll be another step closer to being qualified. And then you can choose, like, obviously with availability of jobs, you can choose where you want to work then yourself. And then at least you're going to be secure. It's only It's only two years, the master's, and like, just do what you need to do to get to where you want to be at the end of the day you know <laughs> yeah yeah I just on that then so you're on the master's course and um, so you're on the same course aren't you so yeah how many international students are there on your course um there's four there's 30 sorry I have this written down somewhere there's 32 or 34 of us and out of the 34 there's 14 that are international so there's a massive cohort of us. yeah <laughs> Okay, over half of you. Oh, wow, okay. I, I Honestly, I thought it would be a lot less. Yeah, we yeah. have a good population. Of yeah, yeah. we're represented. Yeah, quite, quite diverse then. Sort of where, whereabouts do they sort of come from, really? Um, All over, really, isn't it, Alfredo? Yeah, um, so we have uh, Ireland. Uh-huh. Uh, China. Hong Kong, yeah, Macau, that part we have from uh the caribbean i guess as well yeah like, yeah um near mexico as well i think isn't it yeah, near mexico yeah. the middle east region mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's just so <laughs> many there's so much diversity there i can imagine that sort of the kitchen sessions or coming up with recipes must be so interesting because everyone's having their own inputs of, of yeah. things yeah. that they're used to and must be really yeah. interesting yeah, it's so interesting because everyone kind of has their own cultural background. And then when we have discussions in class, everyone kind of has their own personal experiences. Yeah. And it's nice to learn from other people's background as well. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said before, you know, when you're on placement, if you've known someone who's, I don't know, from uh, the Middle East or someone on your course, and then you get a patient who's from the Middle East and, you know, you need to understand sort of the Dutch practices or the cultural aspects of, of um living in that area of the world you know you do and you you know yeah. because you studied with them exactly yeah yeah oh well that sounds like a real benefit to it then um what other benefits do you think um there are to having international student dietitians in the uk oh uh, we could start with alfredo did you want to go first yeah okay 
So it's as what we've just mentioned that um, you would have this sort of different knowledge of different things um, that you can share, especially considering that um, UK is a multi-diverse country. You'd have people from different backgrounds living in different parts of of the of the country. So, for example, if you are located in Leeds, you you'd have different ethnic ethnic backgrounds of people that are located here, mm-hmm. which you would be treating or working in the future. So, having international students can help you understand how things um, really work, typical eating behaviors and lifestyle. The other thing is um, different people from differing backgrounds, you'd have a sort of different way of thinking or analyzing stuff. Uh, It's like how you are brought up or uh, like the sort of things that it's like, uh, how you analyze things, how you would break down big ideas and construct arguments or stuff. That would be interesting to hear in discussions inside the class. Mm. You see people focusing on different points in the same case study. Uh-huh. So that would add like benefits and interests in class discussions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... It- Trains you to work in global healthcare, really. Yeah, yeah, it does, really does. Being able to, um, you know, I suppose work work with and collaborate with people from different cultures and understand that what's sometimes culturally, you know, acceptable or prominent in one culture is not in another, um, and being able to overcome that and work professionally, um, definitely is great training for that. Having international students on your course. How about yourself, Courtney? What benefits do you think there are? Um, I just think exactly what um, Alphadol was saying, kind of in terms of just everyone's background and their different opinions and stuff like that. And as you said, it really prepares you for working um, within the NHS and like worldwide, I guess, because lots of people are going to have lots of different cultural backgrounds. And it's nice to learn from them as well. Um, because there's things like I've learned so much from different people's cultures from moving to the UK because I was quite sheltered in Ireland because it was it was just like I just knew my own culture really, but it's really nice moving to the UK and then being exposed to so many different cultures, I think. Yeah. You've reminded me actually of a time, um, because we have Irish students, um, they come over from oh, I'm not sure where it is actually. <laughs> Letterkenny? Oh, Donegal, is it? I'm yeah, Letterkenny is in Donegal. No, I'm not going to lie. I'm <laughs> Irish, but I don't really know much Somewhere about it. Somewhere in Ireland, anyway. <laughs> yeah, somewhere there. Um, and I remember, it's kind of a different scenario, but someone, we were doing a diet history, and someone said, uh, one of the Irish girls said, oh, um, uh, what about, uh, did you eat any spuds with that? Oh, yeah. One of us, one of us, or one of someone in, you know, one of the UK students said, what? What yeah. Um, and I, I know because I have Irish family. I was like, oh, they mean potatoes. Um, <laughs> oh, potatoes, and just little things like that. Um, yeah. The reverse example, but just little things of like terminologies you get to, used to, which actually, if you have patients who say spuds, you need to know yeah. what. That's it, and it's kind of things like we had a lecture one day, and we were talking about like they put up loads of different foods on the board 
to see did we know what that meant and then like half of us didn't know what one was and then it's like things like chapati and stuff like that I didn't have a clue like my lecturer kept saying something about a chapati and I was just like what is a chapati but then like as you go on you realize like what it is and then you learn from other people like what they what they eat in different cultures and stuff and it's really important I think to be interested in other cultures and look into what they do eat traditionally and things like that because you'll really need to know it you know <laughs> yeah definitely I think yeah just even little things like um oh what was it bread roll my um my other half he he said something about a cob the other day and bear in mind <laughs> we live 10 miles from each other yeah. and he about a cob I was like do you mean do you mean a sandwich yeah do you mean a sandwich and he's no it's a cob it's a cob need and it was not and that's yeah. just a 10 mile difference so that's it. yeah it's just all these little things that could completely throw you off when you're doing a diet history you know what I mean like if you're not up there and not like after doing the research on the person's cultural background if you have that information beforehand you know it's so important yeah yeah it's just yeah even the little things um but it definitely sounds like you you get into a lot of discussions and have a lot of insight to different cultures on on your course yeah um, so a big part of your course as you know is placement so we spoke about kind of the issues with traveling and, and getting accommodation um but in terms of placement itself um what has your what's what was your experience like as an international student dietitian um after should we start with you yeah so placement as you mentioned is a big part and it's where you would really develop what you have learned and applied it apply it into like real examples and see how it, it relates and helps in um, healthcare so as an international student the main thing is how you'd acquaint yourself with with the culture and the differences that um uh, like foods have food names have uh, different accents and different cities or people from different towns so it's like uh, adapting into this environment and one of the things that i've did uh, i've done is uh we have like a learning contract assignment to 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 do so i've looked into um, foods that are commonly consumed and like Yorkshire and Northeast area like make I made a list of them like what is this this mean and like um, what are the calories and proteins and how it's uh, it's prepared and because most of our placements are in this region and you'd go and someone would say I had Yorkshire puddings <laughs> Yorkshire puddings and <laughs> With what you'd have it, for example. So you'd need to know that. And uh, the good thing is that we had loads of kitchen sessions. Yeah. And we had some local students. So I had the opportunity to make some Yorkshire puddings and <laughs> know how they are. And like they look really. good too. Yeah, they look good. And you'd like have them, for example, with sausage and you'd have gravy on the side. Um, how many of them you'd have? So it's like these things that if you are a local student you won't consider doing this no. but as an international student there is like an extra task you need to do to know how to to best approach that for example as you've mentioned spud 
it's, it's the same thing. I won't know what this means unless you yeah. ask. And the good thing is that you can ask your supervisors. Uh, from my experience, supervisors and the NHS trusts were um, really helpful and beneficial. And I guess even asking the patients, it won't be a challenge if you'd ask them if they can, like, just make something clearer for you. Mm. Yeah. But the cl- uh, the placements are good. Um, it depends on which trust or speciality that you've worked and having a variety of them and variety of specialties can be helpful and making it clearer to you which specialty you want to take down and like just follow it like I like this I just keep doing that so I did my placement and eating disorders and adult mental health um, which is something interesting it's like I've experience mental health and to see the physical health side and other conditions to to decide yeah so that was my experience so far sounds really varied it's good that you've got an eating disorders and mental health placement because um they can often be few and far between um but i like what you were saying about sort of the yorkshire puddings and getting an idea about the local cuisines if you like um because yeah you, you need to know what what people are what what people would eat and you can't you can't really say in a consultation what do you mean Yorkshire pudding because they'd expect yeah. you to know um but yeah making a little crib sheet or something just so that you've got got it there just a little reminder sounds like a great idea and mm-hmm. um, so how about yourself Courtney what was your experience like as an international student on placement um so I I really liked placement um like that was kind of the main telling point for me where it's like yes I've picked the right course um it was really exciting every day I was in I was in community um in Leeds so I was in this I was with the stroke and neurological diseases dietitians um and every day was different we were calling to people's houses and um things like that and um every, the, all the dietitians were so welcoming so helpful um no question was unanswered kind of thing um they were always willing to help you and sit down and explain things with you and um being an international student um I would there was no difference really I was just I just felt like one of the team straight away and there was um a lot of like things to make us feel included like there was one day we had they were having kind of like fish and chips or something and the students were invited as well things like that um but other than like having a really good experience and placement, I do think there is challenges and that can be associated with placement because of the expense associated with it when you're not getting any of the NHS bursary and stuff. I know people have had to pay for dual accommodation. Um, some of my friends that are on the course, they kind of struggled a good bit and it can take away from placement. Mm. Um, like it can really make it into a stressful situation rather than enjoyable. And like placement is the most exciting part of the course because you're really seeing what you're going to be doing in your career and stuff. And I just think that it could be made easier by giving international students priority for placements and stuff. And like maybe if the NHS like reconsidered giving the bursary to um international students, it would be really helpful because you'll just enjoy it a lot more. Um, being less stressed and things I guess <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and I guess the stress just yeah as you say takes away that enjoyment and that's what you're there it to does. do I think it's you, you're not if you're not in a good 
headspace and you're feeling stressed and yeah. it can impact on your learning can't it at any yeah. point in your education yeah well it's really important to um talk about it when you're when you're feeling a bit stressed and stuff because um from my experience in placement the dietitians were so helpful like you kind of meet up with them every week and you tell them if you struggled with anything what you thought went well and it's really good for your communication as well because you're you're made sit and say like what do you think you've done well this week and like as an or like it's really hard to say something you've done well I think personally anyway but then they kind of bring it out of you and make you it builds on your confidence as well I think definitely yeah I think you know dietitians like we are trained or we are being trained to um you know to be kind of empathetic and be people who you can open up to and yeah. it reminds me a little bit of um a previous episode we did a couple of months ago um we had Zunera um away on Mm-hmm. And she so she uh the, it was all on the podcast but she took a break from placement and she opened up on social media about that she was really struggling with it and you know she she felt really overwhelmed and she just needed a break and honestly like the support that she got from it um and you know the amount of dietitians that were saying oh my gosh I I completely understand your experience I had this and it created a real community and it kind of it I remember her saying, you know, it, there is a real community here and the support is there if you ask for it. So really just emphasises what you were saying about, you know, the importance of speaking up if you are stressed. Yeah, because it's so important if you're not, if you're not like coping mentally yourself, how are you supposed to help a patient at the end yeah. of the day? Like that's our main priority, you know. So it's just really concentrating on looking after yourself on placement as well as looking after the patient, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it just goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier about how do you fit in or whatever. They're kind of like stress management tools, you know, join the yeah. gym, do, you know, do all those stress management techniques to help you cope and, and, and get through it really happily. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as kind of our final question then, um, what would your advice or your final bit of advice be to anyone looking to study dietetics in the UK or anyone who is currently an international student? We can start with you, Courtney, if you like. Um, so I think my first piece of advice would be do it. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> don't like don't put it off. Don't talk yourself out of it. Like the move is hard and you will struggle at the start, but once you get used to it and start making your friends, um, you'll have such an enjoyable experience. And the experience in the UK is like second to none. Like there's so much opportunities and um, yeah, I would just definitely recommend doing it. And then I think the my second piece of advice would be be prepared financially if you're moving, like be organized, have everything in place. Don't leave things to last minute. and um just make sure you're putting yourself out there and enjoying every minute of it every minute of it because um it's only two years and it, it really does fly like it's scary that we're nearly one year in already yeah yeah no I like what you said there that you know just even though there's stresses and it's not the easiest thing at times to just do it um, yeah by yourself yeah yeah definitely just just being mindful that just keep the end goal in mind that like you're going to be so happy in the career well I will be anyway because I know it's my dream job but I hope everyone else will be too yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah <laughs> um, what about yourself after are there any kind of last bits of advice you'd like to give yeah i guess i agree with courtney is you you just do it it's like some it's a, an experience that it can't be compared to anything else uh the second thing is like seek opportunities and learn how to deal with challenges and struggles in life because this period you are polishing your skills and your personality it's something that you would take on forever in life and the last one is uh what i've mentioned earlier it's like um, you'd have lots of times to do things so like spend them wisely because it's it's um a period in your life that you have the time you have the 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 energy to do many things so do things that you won't regret later <laughs> i guess yeah 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 lovely that is great advice um and yeah i agree with all of it and i think it, you know it's applicable to international students but also uk students as well anyone who's getting a bit stressed or you know people who are wanting to start the courses to just keep keep the the end goal in mind and to to take the opportunities that come to you that's it <laughs> lovely so it's been great talking to you both about your experiences as international student dietitians um, I've certainly learned a lot um, and I hope that any international students listening found Courtney and Alfredo's advice helpful and I hope that UK students listening learned something too. So thank you Courtney and Alfredo. Thanks so much for having us on. Thank you for having us yeah thank you. It was a pleasure. So now it's time for some info to go with Megan. Thanks Neve. Hi everyone and welcome to info to go I'm Meg, and in this bite-sized segment, I aim to engage with you, our listeners and fellow RD2Bs, to share ideas, experiences and questions relating to all aspects of being a student dietitian. I'll also be sharing some tools and resources with you so that you can go on to further develop your knowledge after listening to the podcast and keep up with your continued professional development. Today's episode has been great to hear all about our guests' international student experience. And last month, I asked our listeners to share their experiences as an international students too. And it was great to have some amazing responses to share. I first asked what you most enjoy about being an international student. And you said that you love being able to share your culture with others and learn about the UK culture. That you love the experience of going to uni in a different country. And it's very fulfilling and strongly believe that it will open several doors in the future. Studying abroad has also provided a unique experience to appreciate cultural diversity and learn more about different parts of the world. Additionally, it develops important skills such as time management, independence and taking responsibilities. Some of the reasons that you decided to study in the UK were that you read a lot about the high reputation of UK universities and also wanted to study in English. Another reason was having access to European student finance, which meant not having to pay fees up front in the same way as you do in other countries. But being an international student does not come without its challenges. So some of the challenges that you faced and how you overcame them were, when on placement, international students don't receive the same support from the NHS, including the NHS bursary. This meant that um, the going on placement was a bit more difficult financially compared to some of the UK students. 
Another challenge is living in a country that's not your own. Having a different lifestyle, different people and different food makes it sometimes made students feel like an outsider. However, overcoming these difficulties happened whenever realizing how brave they were for leaving the country and how living a new lifestyle in a new place can, although be challenging, is an experience that can never be forgotten and has provided many new friends and a space for growth and maturing. Another student also said that making new friends and getting into the culture was challenging at, the f at first, but it can, and made them feel a bit homesick and lonely. However, once these have sorted out, then the journey will flourish and they were able to make friends from a diverse range of backgrounds, which can strengthen their experience. Thank you so much to everyone that shared their experiences. It's been great to be able to see a new perspective and learn more about other people's journeys into dietetics. Hopefully these responses have helped some of our listeners and I really admire all our international student listeners who have not only taken on the challenge of studying a new course but to move to a new country too. It's really inspiring. Now that we're getting closer to the end of the academic year, some of you may be thinking ahead to writing your dissertation next year or the year after. Dissertations are something that I know I was definitely worried about doing, which is why for the, this month's listener question, I would like to ask all of our listeners who have done or are doing a dissertation, what are your top tips for planning and writing a dissertation? I will be anonymously sharing your responses in a future episode of the podcast. So if you would like to share your top tips for writing a dissertation, then please email a message or a soundbite to newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com or send us a DM on the New Ultra Instagram page. This month's follow recommendations are all about connecting students. You can find at Nutrition Graduates on Instagram that aim to support and help all nutrition students after they've graduated by providing lots of useful webinars that give insights into different areas of work and how to boost your CV ready for the world of work. I will also be follow, recommend following both your university's Nutrition Society Instagram pages and other universities pages as they are a great source of information on upcoming events in the nutrition calendar but they're also a great way to connect with people at your university and find events and activities that you can get involved in to meet new people. Also, if you would like to follow today's guests, you can find Courtney at Nutri underscore Rocket and you can find Aftal at EvolveFit20 on Instagram. As part of the placement and ensuring we meet our competencies when practicing as dietitians in the future, we all need to ensure that we all meet the HCPC standards of conduct, performance and ethics. And the first HCPC standard of conduct is to promote and protect the interests of service users and carers, which includes treating everyone with respect, gaining consent, maintaining boundaries and challenging discrimination. That's why for this month's CPD, I would like to encourage you to think about ways in which you can help to create an inclusive environment for everyone and challenge discrimination when you see it. Whether that is at university, when you're on placement or just when you're out and about. As future dietitians, it is important that we are able to create safe environments where everyone can feel comfortable and confident to express themselves. 
FutureLearn offer a wide range of courses around equality and diversity that you can sign up to and gain a certificate at the end. I would also recommend giving a listen to the Equality and Diversity in General Practice podcast episode by the Primary Care Knowledge Boost podcast. They discuss equality, diversity and inclusivity in the NHS and give you some ideas of how you can help to create a more supportive workplace and how you can be an ally to others so that so I will link that episode in the show notes if you'd like to give that a listen. Coming up in the next month, May is International Walking Month. National Walking Month was set up by the UK charity Living Streets. Since 1929, they have been campaigning for a better walking environment for everyone. And this May, Living Streets is encouraging everyone to hashtag try 20 and walk for 20 minutes a day throughout May. Walking is an easy way to add some activity to your day, which we know can help physically and mentally. And if you're swapping your drive for walking, then you'll be helping the planet too. If you would like to find out how you can get involved or check out the work that Living Streets are doing, then I will leave some links in the show notes. Equality, Diversity and Human Rights Week is an international campaign that is taking place from the 8th to the 13th of May. Throughout the week, NHS employers plan a range of themes and activities to get involved in in each day. Last year was the saw an opportunity for health and care organisations to celebrate inclusion by discussing different topics such as mental health, disability in the workplace and creating staff networks. To learn more about last year's event and how you can get involved this year, you can head over to the NHS Employers website, which I will link in the show notes. You can also search for the hashtag EQW2022 to see how the event was celebrated last year. For more information about anything that I've mentioned today, please check out the show notes. If you know of any exciting CPD opportunities for students that are coming up or are getting involved in any of the activities or events that I've mentioned, then I would love to hear from you. And you can drop me an email at newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. And that is all the info to go for today's episode. So I'll hand back over to Neve in the main cafe. Thanks, Meg. It was great to hear some more experiences of student international student dietitians. I would like to say a huge thank you once again to New Ultra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New Ultra on social media at New Ultra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.